Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Today we have with us Elsia Hanna, who holds a Master's of Arts degree in Counseling Psychology, and she's also a certified supervisor and trained in EMDR and OEI. Elsia has worked with a host of agencies, including Vancouver Crisis Centre, BC Cancer Agency, as well as various hospice and palliative agencies. She has created a purposeful, creative private practice space called Healing Place Counseling in Cloverdale, BC, allowing clients to feel a sense of community and belonging. Elsia has special experience dealing with terminal illness, prolonged chronic illness, and supporting individuals and children dealing with bereavement. So I'm honored to have her with us today to guide us through some of the questions that we can find really difficult to ask around identifying grief in children and how to support them. Well, welcome, Elsha. It's so great to have you here today because in our grief and loss series, we have yet to really hone in on how children grieve. And I know your practice revolves heavily around helping identify and process grief for our young ones. So I have some questions for you. Um, And I'd love to start by asking you if you can just help us understand how children in particular grieve any kind of significant loss. Like what are some of the ways in which grieving happens for kids? Mm. Um, Well, you know, in some ways they grieve a a lot like we as adults grieve. Um, They have the same set of emotions. They experience the same loss. Um, But how that comes out, what that looks like and how they um, articulate the loss or how they behave out the loss can can look different than us. Um, So so what I wanted to start with is just to acknowledge that... um, you know, I think today we're primarily talking about the loss of a person. So someone in our family dies or a friend dies. Um, but but there's also um, a real loss when it comes to pet loss. Yeah. Um, and I think kids can experience that um, more heavily than we as adults can. Yeah. Um, there's, there's loss of relationships, loss of family systems, mm-hmm. loss of friendships. And so these are all things that kids need to be allowed to grieve. Um, And, um, you know, one of the people I kind of go to a lot with this kind of work is uh, um, um, Alan Wolfelt. He's he's in the States and he's really spent his whole life talking about uh, death and dying and grief. Um, And, and, uh, you know, he, he says, all of these things need to be grieved, right? And so for children, especially because, you know, they're little people with big emotions yeah. uh, th- that we just need to give them some airtime around acknowledging those losses okay. and um, and really allowing them to to work that out however they need to. So so that's kind of the first piece just to say, you know, all these losses count. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think the next thing to consider is really. um you know, it's a funny thing. I, I did one of my internships at Surrey Hospice a long time ago, and I can very clearly remember um, my internship supervisor saying, you know, um, how interesting it is that 
grief is grief is grief. And everyone goes through this process and there are real hard marks of grief. Like, you know, mm. I mean, Kubler-Ross would say that there are stages. I'm, I'm not sure we believe that anymore, but there are certainly hallmarks of grief. Um, and yet, even, even in that sort of um, boilerplate statement, each person is going to experience that grief in their own unique way. Mm. And that's true for kids. Um, and so um, you might have three children in a family that have lost the same person. So the same relationship, a mother, a father, an aunt, or whatever. And, and each three of those children will experience that grief differently. Mm. And so it's really important for us to understand that as much as we see each child in a unique way, we must see their grief in that same unique way. So I think that's where it really needs to start. And for us not to assume that they're going to go through these stages or they're going to feel this, but just to really um, let the child take the lead in their grief experience. And for us as caregivers and, and loving, supportive people to really follow them and acknowledge what, what it is that they're actually going through. Um, so, so I think that's kind of a, an important piece. Um, and then the next piece um, that I just want to chat about, and it's one of the resources that I, I sent over to you, Karen, um, it's the developmental stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a really important one, I think, because a lot of people don't understand this, um, that at each stage of, of um, cognitive and emotional development that a child goes through, they're going to grieve that loss in a different way. So on the surface, we'd say, well, of course, a two-year-old is going to dr- grieve differently right. than a 13-year-old, than a uh-huh. right? That makes sense. That, because, that's obvious, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but what's not obvious is that that two- or four-year-old that grieves the loss of someone is going to have to grieve that loss differently every time they go through a developmental stage. The same loss, but yeah. different stages of their own grief as that's they develop. Okay, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's partly because um, the the cognitive ability and the emotional um, intelligence that we have as a two year old is going to grow, mm-hmm. and we're going to think differently about our world and feel differently about ourselves as we go through those stages. Um, and and grief is. You know, some people will say grief is a lifelong journey, right? Yeah. It, it ebbs and it flows, but we, we never stop missing the people that we've lost. Mm-hmm. And that's so true for children as well. And so just to be, you know, really mindful that as these kids go through these developmental stages, we're going to see those grief expressions come out again in a different way, according to that developmental ability. Yeah, it's like a readiness, right? Like we we deal with what we can when we're ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That, that's really true. You know, um, I have a client that I I worked with um, some time ago, uh, and I have permission to tell a little bit of his story. Um, he lost a significant relative when he was eight years old, mm. and uh, he's now in his twenties. And he really can't remember a lot of what happened back then. But he has all the hallmarks of grieving the loss of this person. But he couldn't recognize that. Totally. So, you know, 
um, many years later, after the loss of, of this uh, significant relative, um, we did grief work hmm. um, and, and helped him get in touch with some of those um, memories that he has, memories that others have, the stories of this person that he was really close to, the stories of himself during that time. And he was able to grieve that relative in a whole different way than he ever could when he was little. Mm-hmm. And it resolved in such a way that, um, you know, the, the symptoms, right, the, mm-hmm. the the pieces that he came into counseling for in the first place all resolved as a result of that grief. Work. Yeah. So just an example to say it's really important for us to recognize mm-hmm. and to allow children at those stages to grieve whatever it is that they need to grieve. So that's a okay. So that really leads me into my next question, because there's one, there's a beautiful piece in what you just said is that it's really never too late to process. So mm-hmm. if we find as adults that we have resolved grief and loss from our childhood, we need to be able to give ourselves permission even now not to poo poo that and say, well, that was way back then. I need to just get over it. But if there's something bubbling for us, mm-hmm. it's fair to go explore that and to try and work it through, even yeah. if it's 20, 30, 40 years later. Yeah. And the other piece of that is I wonder if you can help parents and caregivers and teachers understand a bit about what can happen for kids if they aren't supported in the way they need to process it when it happens. Sure. Um, so I, I, again, I kind of want to break that into two different pieces. I think there's issues that happen when a child doesn't get the support and they're still in that grief process as a child. Mm-hmm. And then there are those pieces which we've just been talking about. Here you are, an adult 20, 30 years later, and you're still struggling, yeah. right? But for children who don't get the support that they need, and you know, we might talk about this later, but just in case, uh, I just want to acknowledge that when, especially when a family member passes, or someone really significant passes for a whole system of people, that sometimes when we're in our own grief so hard, we can't be available. And so there's no, there's no shame or there's no um, um, implied responsibility here that you have Mm -hmm. to do something. Um, So I just want to really make that clear. And I think that's what counselors are for, right? Right. To come alongside these family systems and really to be able to support all of the different people in what they're experiencing. Um, But but in any case, um, I'll come back to your question. Um, So uh, unresolved or complex grief starts um, to happen when we aren't present for our children when we don't allow them that unique and authentic expression of grief, Mm. um, when we're simply um, not able to be emotionally um, available. Yeah. And, and, and uh, depending on, you know, the uniqueness of grief depends on the relationship they had with, with whoever it is that's passed their own coping um, tools, Mm -hmm. what they have in their toolbox as little kids, um, the support people that are around them, it's going to make a difference. Their life story, like what have yeah. they experienced up until the point of the person passing? That's also yes. going to make a difference. Huge. Right. Yeah. And and then, of course, how the person died uh, is mm-hmm. going to make a big difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a, a violent or a traumatic death or whether it's um, um, uh, unexpected and anticipated um, passing. So so those are all things that kind of um, will will speak into how this child um, will uh, 
express their grief. Okay. Um, and and when we when we don't support those things and we don't understand those things, then um, there can be issues around attachment, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a parent or someone really close to them. Um, issues as a result of unresolved emotions. So mm-hmm. the child doesn't feel like they can express their emotions. Um, uh, and, and that can res- result in all sorts of different emotional um, complexity. Um, uh, sometimes we'll see regression. And we actually even see that um, later in um, when we're talking about teenagers. Um, yeah. we, can, we can often see regression in that age group. Um, just because of the way developmentally they conceptualize death. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting piece. Yeah. Um, and, um, and sometimes kids will um, start to blame themselves or feel responsible for the death. Mm-hmm. Um, they can feel like now, you know, I, I hope people don't give this message out anymore, but there was a time mm-hmm. when we would say, well, now you're the big man of the family. Now Ooh, you have yeah. to take care of your mother. Like, yeah, it was such those... a common sentiment just a generation ago, right? It really, yeah. it really was, and I, I desperately hope we don't have that I sentiment do too. anymore. Oh. But, um, but yeah, that is a that is a really big piece, right? The parentification. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just, I just have a, a one of the resources that I've given you is a book by uh, Alan Wolfold, and it's called "Healing a Child's Grieving Heart." Mm. Um, and um, one of the things that he writes in this book, he, he's, he's saying, well, watch for warning signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to actually sort of briefly go through this with you, because yeah, I think fantastic. these are some of the important things that parents would need to look for okay. in order to recognize whether this child is grieving in a normal way or whether this child is moving towards a complex or an unresolved grief. Yeah. Um, and, and really like I said earlier, there are a lot of reasons why mm-hmm. a child's grief would turn into a, a complex situation. But but the signs that we're looking for are, um, and again, these are, sorry, based on developmental stages. So these are general warning signs. Okay. But we're looking for a total denial of the reality of the death. Okay. So So a child is saying, nope, they haven't died and they will be back soon. When, in right. fact, are they going to be back, right? Yeah. If there's a persistent panic or fear, um, so they their world uh, worldview has shattered in a way that they can't get back to any kind of groundedness, um, and this can often involve um, nightmares. Um, and and I'll I'll try to remember to go back to the nightmares in just a second because there okay. there's another added piece to that. But but looking for a sort of persistent panic, fears, nightmares, those kind of things. If there's chronic depression, chronic misbehavior, um, in older kids, we're looking for drug and alcohol abuse. We're looking for suicidal thoughts or thoughts of wanting to join their loved one. Yeah. Um, and then a consistent withdrawal from friends and family. So really isolating. Okay. So we, that, that's also kind of a, a, a key thing to look for around. Are they still engaging in life? Are they still mm-hmm. kind of coming up for air? Right? Yeah. Um, excuse me and children grieve a little bit differently than adults especially the little ones because they they do still have a normalcy in their life life doesn't Mm -hmm. completely stop yeah so so we still see them playing we still see them laughing we still see them engaging with their friends Um, and so when those kind of things start to wither away or stop and they start really isolating 
that's when we're kind of concerned and want to go look for some help. Um, and I think at the end of all of that, whatever that list looks like, um, if you have a gut sense that your child isn't doing well, mm-hmm. then please go seek Follow help. up. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, ultimately, a parent knows their child better than any uh, any authority yeah. or counselor or helper or caregiver. Yeah. And so if, if you've got a gut sense that mm-hmm. something's not right or, or maybe we just need to check in, then I would, I'd so strongly and lovingly encourage you to go and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you raised the difference between, uh, especially for young kids who will continue in some category of life, right? So they, they can bounce in and out of boxes, basically. And so they'll play one day, they'll be sad the next, they'll be, mm-hmm. so the, the display of their grief is, is very, is in and out. And when, when you mentioned denial, I wanted to clarify, right? There's a big difference between kids who appear okay for a period of time. That's not denial. Correct. Yes, that's still engagement in life, but they're weaving in and out. Mm-hmm. Denial is really the active, it did not happen. I refuse to believe it. Exactly. Right? That, that's a different, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For approaching children who are grieving, so if mm. if we can see that our child is moving through a loss experience and we so desperately want to know how to join them, how to support them, how to navigate that. Are there any specific or helpful ways to talk with them or provide that support? There sure are. Yeah. And this is a really important question um, because, you know, as, as adult figures in a child's life, uh, we have to understand that we're important right? We're important to them. We're the, we're the people that give them safety and grounding and um, are committed to them no matter what. And so they will look to us Mm -hmm. um, um, for how we express our grief, for how we interact with them, for how we take their grief seriously or not, right? So, so our role as supporters in children that are grieving is really important. And so this question is um, uh, really important as well. So the first thing I think we need to do, Karen, is just be present, right? Mm. Um, To be able to understand that a child's grief is just as important as our own and Mm. to be present for children that are struggling with a loss. And in that presence, to be honest, to be able to, Mm. you know, um, not use stories, to not use vague wording, but to really just be very clear and honest within an appropriate level of language for their age and development, right? So yeah. what we say to a two-year-old is going to be different yeah. than what we say to a teenager. Yeah. But, but within that um, sort of appropriate language to just be honest mm. um, and, and to be able to say, this person is, isn't, uh, isn't here anymore. They're dead. They're not coming back. And as hard as those words are, I think yeah. kids just need to have that real concrete language. Okay. Um, and then to be relatable. Um, and, and by that, what I mean is that um, we, as we mentor our own grief, mm-hmm. we allow our children to grieve mm-hmm. also. And so not for us to be crying in the bathroom and saying, everything's okay, I'll be out in a minute. Yeah. But, to, but to actually, you know, be able to share a tear with a child and say, I miss that person too. Yeah. Right. And I don't have all the answers. Um, and it's okay for us not to know everything, 
right? It's okay for us to, to be in this journey together and you can come cry with me and, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll cry with you too. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. And so really giving permission for tears to be, um, to be give, to be together in that journey and to really mentor um, the, the sorrow that we are, we all feel when, when somebody important dies. Right. I, I see that so often that that comes up as one of the primary questions for parents is, am I allowed, is it good or healthy for me to display that or to sit in it with them and have my own experience at the same time? Because we're so trained as parents to turn that off and be the stable one for the child. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder about the balance there. Where do we, right? Because we also don't, I'm assuming want our children to take care of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's that, that balancing act of sitting with them, sharing an experience of grief, having our own attuned emotions with one another without inviting the child to parent us. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's, um, and that, and that's a piece that kind of goes, that swings on one side or the other of a pendulum, right. Where we're either, um, having to be really stoic and not showing any emotion because yeah. we have to be strong for our children yeah. or on the opposite side of that pendulum that somehow our children feel like we need to care of us because we're an absolute wreck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think the key component in that is to, to acknowledge that we are grieving, mm-hmm. but also to take responsibility mm-hmm. for that grief for ourselves. Okay. So even to be able to say to a child, I'm sad, but, and and crying is the way that I deal with my sad mm. and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And, and your sad looks like crying too. Mm-hmm. And, and you get to cry and feel better as a result of that. And, and that's also your responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's that piece around actually teachable moments in grief, maybe even yeah. around um, helping children gain that emotional intelligence right? Mm-hmm. That, that we're all kind of looking for kids to have. Um, if we go to um, John Gottman's work, um, uh, where he did some, some work with children's feelings, mm-hmm. um, and as a result, he came up with the four styles of parenting. Um, I won't deal with the first three, but the, but the last one he talks about is emotion coaching. Yeah. And how when we allow our children to feel what they feel, when we enter into that feeling with them and walk alongside them, not take it over, not deny it, but actually just walk alongside them, then they also learn how to manage their own emotions. And when we can mentor our grief in that way, then they also get to learn that for themselves. And so then grief isn't a scary thing and it doesn't become complex or complicated or unresolved Mm -hmm. because we're actually allowing them the space and mentoring for them how to resolve that for themselves. Mm. I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's such a a pivotal um, change in our framework because the the first approach would be I'm responsible for getting my child through the grief. So Mm -hmm. the onus is on me to fix this, right? As opposed to I need to model and trust the feeling will fix this in a sense. Like it, it's that that gives us agency to move through it. It is not my responsibility to 
push my child. It's me being present and showing that it's okay to feel because it's the feeling that heals. It's that, it's that that gives us the portal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When we're not allowed to feel that's, that's when they're unresolved. I think that's the definition of that word, right? Yes. And so resolving. Yeah, for sure. And lots Mm -hmm. of kids and adults do get super stuck in this, right? Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I think it's a little bit counterintuitive for us as parents mm-hmm. to acknowledge that we need to be vulnerable in front of our yes. children, yeah. right? Um, and, and we would look to Brené Brown's work um, mm-hmm. as a, a primary resource for um, what that even means. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think it's counterintuitive for us to to acknowledge that a little person actually has enough autonomy to be able to work through it. Yeah. Right? As parents, we we fix everything, right? Yeah. From, yeah. from a come to from the a, rescue. Yeah. From a boo <laughs> yeah. on the knee to you know yeah. what whatever's going on, right? That that's yeah. just kind of how we're hardwired. Yeah. So it it is a little bit counterintuitive to be able to kind of step back and say, okay, I can have my process and I can show that to my child, and I have enough faith in my child and the process mm-hmm. to be able for them to resolve that for themselves. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that yeah. that's kind of the big piece, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. When can it be helpful to add outside layers of support? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you talked a bit about this earlier when you read um, from the book there about what to watch for in terms of problematic symptoms of, de- you know, denial, complete denial. Are there, at what point, like if, what if that becomes an experience? Do we immediately then go seek help? Do we, Right. allow at what point do we inject other supports that might be helpful for kids yeah so it's it's a t- grief grief counseling is a real funny thing you know because mm-hmm. of all the things people come into counseling for grief is probably the most normal expression yeah and most healthy expression um in response to a loss yeah. so in some ways um we, we would say, you know, as long as we're grieving in the right way and we're actually coming to a place of resolve, yeah, uh, we wouldn't need to go and seek counseling. Yeah. Um, but but sometimes that doesn't happen, and we've already talked about a lot of that. Um, and so I would say, very first thing is again, listen to your gut, listen mm-hmm. to the instinct that you have around your child. If you think yeah. your child's not doing well, even if you went in for one session to kind of see what what a professional might think about that and and have a talk without even bringing your child in just getting some advice uh, highly worth highly highly worth doing um when we feel like we're over our heads and we Mm. simply don't know what to do anymore that's a fantastic time to bring a professional in um, to get the guidance that we need in order to um, support our children okay um when our grief is so big that we can't be present for a child, yeah, um, it's okay to admit that and and to be able to say, okay, um, this person um, um, is just is just in such a place of immense grief that they cannot be present for their child, yeah. and to be able to to invite people in to kind of support that whole system. Um, you know, I talked earlier about some of the warning signs. So obviously, if we're seeing some of those pieces, then um, and it and it feels like it's starting. This kid is starting to get stuck. Yeah. Um, then um, the sooner the better, right? One of the yeah. things is when do you do that? And I would say right. always the sooner the better. 
Okay. Um, um, especially if it's looking more like it's complex or it's not resolving. Mm-hmm. Um, um, once you've kind of um, clued in that that might be the case, then the sooner you get that uh, little one in, the better, because then the healing can start in a in a different way, and the and, and yeah. the little one can get on with their life, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, I, I think there is a correlation between the longer we leave things, the more complicated it can become. Yeah. And the more we start to see the symptoms of that complicated grief, right? Yeah. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Well, and that's you know that the sooner the better is such a beautiful principle, and then I also would like to add a layer of acknowledging that. Um, the weaving in and out and the developmental experience that some parents will say, well, yeah, we had a lot, a significant loss in the family seven years ago and we sought counseling for six months. Um, I don't think that's related to what's going to the depression, my, my teenager. Right. And so even just to give ourselves permission to widen our assessments of what's Mm -hmm. happening for our kids who have maybe entered a new stage of cognitive awareness of insight but yet not at the stage where they can connect the dots Mm -hmm. and so if our kids are all of a sudden in waves of anxiety maybe it's from the parental uh, divorce that happened 10 years ago right like and so not to write that off but to be curious that that might be actually a new wave of grieving Mm mm-hmm um, it, it is one of the um, assessment pieces that we have uh, here when parents come in with their children and we interview the parent first yeah. um, to sort of find out why, why are they bringing their child into counseling. We, we always go through the death history. Mm-hmm. Um, has there been a significant loss? When was that? What, what, how did that person die? Right. We, we want to know all of those pieces yeah. because we're looking, we're looking through that lens to see if that is then what's happening with the behaviors that um, that they're coming in for in, in the first place, and when yeah. we when we work with teenagers, um, it's it's part of our assessment um, to to just ask them, have you had a significant loss? And it might be a divorce, it might be a person who's died, it, sweetheart. It might be their their dog that's just died. Yeah. Right? Like like yeah. these are big things, man. Yeah. We can't underestimate the 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 grief response to that, right? So so we do ask those questions. And when someone comes in and says their pet has just passed, that's a big deal to us. Yeah. And so we're always looking to to help people through that grief process. That's such a valuable piece that I, I think if we are more general practitioners or counselors who um, see a variety, it's, we're not specialized in grief and loss, that we don't do the deep dive on day one into that channel. And so I I think about, um, you know, sometimes I'll go to the physician and I'll have a complaint and I've already formulated a story about why I think what's relevant to share. And I don't necessarily know what's relevant to share. So I just share what I think is relevant and that's all they go off of. And they go, well, it must be this, right? Exactly. And so for to even be asked, I think about all the opportunities when someone who knows what to look for is asking the right questions they can name for us the significance of something that we may have been taught to write off. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it was just a cat, yeah. you know, like if that's been the message or the surrounding theme of we just move on, that's how my family dealt with. It. We just pretended it didn't happen or whatever. We don't validate our own connection to the loss of that mm-hmm. life, right. Or mm-hmm. the loss of that pet. And so yeah. you asking that 
I just, I almost, I felt comfort when you even said those questions because Mm. I thought, oh my goodness. Yeah. Because you can tap into things that we ourselves have come into counseling saying, you know, I have this low mood. I'm anxious all the time. And it's so arbitrary that we don't think to say what our significant losses Mm -hmm. were or Mm -hmm. to think that they're relevant. Yeah. Or to even acknowledge that it's a loss. Yeah. Right. um, You know, we get, I get, um, we have a, quite a few teens come through our practice and uh, it's often a story around, well, my mom and dad got divorced five years ago, but you know, all my tidbit. friends, all my friends' parents got divorced. So yeah. like what, what kind of and big not deal a big is deal. that? Right. right? And yeah. yet when you start to really sort of gently probe into that and to say, well, what was that like for you? And it's a massive oh, grief expression. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If just an, as we wrap up today, I know you shared some resources. So I just want to share with listeners that um, typically I kind of embed those uh, links in the, and I might do that still in the show notes, but um, you've created some documents that I am going to build into the email that goes out to podcast subscribers. So I just want to let people know that if they go to the podcast website and subscribe, then they'll actually get the PDFs that they're printable around some of the book lists that you've provided and some other resources I thought were fantastic. So if you don't want to miss out on that, go there to find it. Um, Just out of, it might be out of those that you've shared or something else that you would like. Is there a key resource for families that you would love to kind of pass along uh, or alert them to, to support kids who are hurting after a significant loss? Sure. Well, um, all the resources that are on the list are certainly resources that I actively use. Okay. So it was quite easy to come up with that list. Um, But I, but I think of um, um, the little children that are going through loss and how so often we as adults just just don't even understand the significance of that. Um, yeah. and, and I think some of the books that are are out there for for grief are, are just such beautiful books. And and I and I would probably tell you that um, The Invisible String by Patricia Karst oh, is probably my my I very love favorite that book. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really lovely. Yeah. Um, just to be able to explain death, but also just to to understand that there is still that continued bond, right? Yeah. One of the one of the um, pieces that Alan Wolfelt writes about, and is that, um, and and it, it's true. And in, in when we do adult grief work too, um, one of the key components that we have to, um, as counselors, help people understand is that um, uh, just because that person has died and is physically no longer here, doesn't mean that the link to them has gone too. Yes. And, and there's this concept called continued bonds that, you know, perhaps some other folks have already talked about um, around um, how we still have a relationship with that person, even though they're physically not here. Yeah. And so the invisible string is that beautiful piece around we can still love that person. We still have memories of that person. That person can still be present in our life mm-hmm. um, in ways that give us comfort and help us find meaning in the loss. And so, uh, yeah, so I think that's probably why I like that book the most. Yeah. Um, and then, and just maybe as a final note, Karen, um, there's this idea that we talked about earlier, where as parents, we feel like we need to help our children. And so we'll often put them first. Um, and, 
and I talk about the analogy of um, uh, when you're on the airplane and you get the um, safety drill and, yeah. and then and the, the flight attendant will say, okay, well, if there's cabin pressure loss, um, mm-hmm. the max, masks will come down, the oxygen masks, and you put them on and they tell you how to do it. Yeah. And then they say, if you are traveling with a companion, you know it's coming. If you yeah. travel with a companion, <laughs> you put yours on first. Yeah. Right? Because if you don't. So counterintuitive. So yeah. counterintuitive, right? Yeah. And, and so we do also need to acknowledge that yeah. when our children are grieving, if we can't manage that, we do need to get help, right? Yeah. And so it's not uncommon for multiple family members to come into counseling at the same time. They're all dealing with the loss of one person, but they're all doing that differently. Yeah. And it is okay for parents to get the help that they need yeah. so that they can reground and actually be present for their child, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, yeah. I have such a heart for people and especially for people that are grieving. And so um, just a massive amount of love and encouragement around um, listening to your gut and really just um, getting whatever the help is that you need, whether it's for yourself or your little one or for both. Thank you for all of that. I so appreciate your frame, your referencing, your ability to tie up some loose ends for us. And and it gives a bit of a roadmap. I think um, if, if people are listening and they're in the heart of a crisis where something has just happened that's significant, it is so uh, disorienting. Um, and, and the way you have spoken into this topic, I think, has been really orienting and helpful for people who just need somebody to lay out, what do I do when and how? Um, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Karen, you're so welcome. And thank you so much for the invitation. It's been really lovely to chat with you today. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.